Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your take on all of the newsy stories from the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and animal weirdness. I am your host, John Rossi, and uh, I am here to tell you, friends, that as of today, I am officially boosted and flusted. Wait a minute, that's not a word. But what that does mean is that both Zoe and I went today to the local CVS at Target and uh, got our most recent COVID boosters as well as our annual flu shots. Now, y'all, I'm not going to lie. I have not been the best at getting flu shots uh, in the past. I have I have not been the most successful flu shot getter that there has been. But it is a good thing to do. It is good for community health. And, you know, it's crazy. I know. We keep talking about living in a post-COVID era and yet COVID is still a thing. As a matter of fact, um, somebody who I was supposed to be seeing this weekend now has COVID and thus will not be able to be there. So um, just a friendly reminder that there is another booster uh, right now that you can get that is helping out with some of the variants. And uh, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I My arm's sore, but I have no real side effects. I'm not going to lie. I know people who got the latest booster and uh, it kicked their butts. So um, no promises that it won't do that to you. However, uh, it is a good thing to do. So go and do it. Get boosted. Get flusted. Uh, amusingly, I chose to get both shots in the same arm. And that's only amusing and worth telling you because um, I'm not working right now. I, I am not on the road and um, I'm not really needing to drum, but I somehow got it in my head that just in case I had to do any emergency drumming tonight, I should get both shots in the left arm because you can play snare without moving your arm too crazy much, but but the right arm does so much and is on the cymbals and at different angles that uh, just in case, just in case some artist happened to be performing in Buffalo and desperately needed a last minute drummer, I got both shots in my left arm. So that was a choice that I made. Um, but I'm glad that I made the overall choice to go and get boosted and flusted. You should too. Stid. Uh, anyway, and speaking of events coming up this weekend, I'm going to be back at Cleveland Metro Park Zoo this Saturday for my Project Dragonfly in-person class. So if you happen to be around, uh, feel free to reach out and might be able to say hi. I will be doing the whole, you know, class thing, so maybe not, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. And uh, then actually... I, I drive back to Buffalo Saturday night and pick up Zoe and we start to make our way to the Philly area because, um, y'all, it's time. 
we doing the whole getting hitched thing. Now, I don't want to give too many details away because uh, I know some of you people want to come and crash my wedding, but um, we'll be talking about that, you know, in an upcoming episode. And uh, I'm, I'm just really excited. It's going to be a really good time. So uh, yeah, uh, after that, we will be spending our honeymoon in San Diego. Uh, we're going to be at the Zoo and Safari Park multiple days. Uh, and I just, I really can't wait. It's going to be amazing. So um, yeah, lots of good stuff going on. I'm I'm wildly excited for all of this. Uh, but I'm also excited for the stories that I'm going to be sharing with y'all. So this is Zoo News. And if you are new here, first of all, boy, you just learned a lot about my life that you probably don't really care about. Um, but you'll come to love me. That's what my fans say anyway. And um, uh, yeah, uh, welcome. Uh, so this is a crowdsourced uh, news program for the the zoo world and uh you can you can tag me in stories if you want to you know share them with me and then maybe i'll share them with people on here at ross safari on instagram facebook and twitter make sure you're following along uh at ross safari pod on tiktok or of course you can always email me stories uh ross safari pod at gmail.com and i have blathered on enough so let's get to it Two, three, four. Ow, oh, that's a funky monkey. Treat kangaroo. Or a binturong. It's two news. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start off with a story from the Oakland Zoo, since, you know, I was just there. And actually, fun story. Um, So I'm recording this on Thursday, October 6th, and uh, just recently spent some time at the Oakland Zoo. And it turns out that I'm not the only wildly famous conservationist to be spending some time there. Jane Goodall went today and spent some time touring the zoo and talking about some upcoming um, initiatives that her Roots and Shoots programs uh, will be doing with the the Oakland Zoo. And uh, I even got to see one of my friends that works there had a behind the scenes footage of Jane petting a dog that was at the zoo. Um, I just love that Jane Goodall, like myself, like Zoe, like many of us, even if we're surrounded by, you know, a bunch of wild exotic animals at the zoo, still get pretty excited when we see a dog. I just think that's adorable. Um, so yeah, cool, cool little fact that, uh, you know, there's some famous conservationists hanging out at the Oakland Zoo lately. And I was there too. But anyway, that's not actually the story. The story is that the Oakland Zoo has a heron rescue team. And um, this is a collaborative effort with the zoo, International Bird Rescue, and the Audubon Society. And um, this last uh, five-month-long nesting season, the team was able to go out and rescue 140 black-crowned night heron fledglings that had fallen from trees in the area, saving their lives and helping the species continue to grow. I love programs like this. I think it's super cool, and I just wanted to give props to the Oakland Zoo. And speaking of zoos that I like to give props to, uh, let's talk about the Cincinnati Zoo. They recently had a huge contest, um, which was their ultimate hippo getaway contest. Now, you could enter this contest and you would have a chance to meet all of the hippos at the zoo, as well as have lodging and airfare taken care of. So this was for like anyone to enter and um you know huge prize big deal and i'm i'm not gonna lie they they pushed it hard i've actually had a couple of people reach out to me and be like yo why is cincy pushing this so hard and um 
I'd be lying if I said I didn't think it myself a couple times. But but yeah, I, I heard that at first from one person, then another, then another. And, and yeah, I get it. It was a lot. Well, here's why they were pushing it hard. Uh, they have announced their winner, which is Samantha W. from Maine. And um, the funds raised will not only go to feeding and caring for the animals, as is pretty, you know, common, but also they are using the funds to purchase a new 3D ultrasound machine, and they will be the first zoo ever to use this incredible modern technology. So, you know, this is just such a cool thing. They made so much money that they're able to get this ridiculously expensive piece of equipment. And keep in mind, not only is that great news for the Cincinnati Zoo, but it's great news for all of the teams that they partner with. You know, our buddy Dr. Aaron Curry is constantly going out and helping with reproductive stuff with other animals and going to other zoos. And, you know, I, I assume that this is not a portable thing, but maybe, I don't know. But even if it's not, maybe animals can come to this zoo if they have problems. This is this is great for the captive animal community, as well as for the scientific community, because we're going to learn all kinds of stuff from this. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was a long contest, and I, I feel bad for everyone who entered and didn't win. Um, but but at least since he is using their celebrity hippos to raise money for some really cool causes. Y'all, it is October. And um, at the end of October comes Halloween. And so now is the time that many zoos, including Cheyenne Mountain Zoo and the Toronto Zoo, are coming out with reminders about only purchasing candy that uses sustainably sourced palm oil. Keep in mind that Cheyenne Mountain Zoo actually has an app that you can download for free that will help you figure out what uh, products use sustainably sourced palm oil. But a couple of hints from our friends at the Toronto Zoo, um, the following are all acceptable. Uh, Mars, including Twix, Three Musketeers, M&M's, Snickers, Dove, and Skittles. Craft caramels, although you might get punched in the face if you do just caramels for trick-or-treating. Just saying. Um, Hershey stuff, including Reese's and Whoppers and Twizzlers and Jolly Ranchers, uh, Lint and Lindor truffles, uh, Lay's, Ruffles, Sun Chips, Tostitos, and Cheetos, although, again, not really for trick-or-treat, uh, Quaker Chewy Granola Bars and Crispy Minis, and um, Kinder Candy, Tic Tacs, and Ferrero Rocher all are committed to using certified sustainable palm oil. Um, and that really helps animals like orangutans and tigers and and hornbills. I love hornbills. I love all of those. But uh, yeah, so make sure that you, you download the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo app and that you remember this list and that you get some good sustainably sourced palm oil-based chocolates for the, uh, the kids that are going to come around for trick-or-treating if that's your thing. And hey, just remember, you can be the cool house just by giving out full candy bars. And if you choose to do that, please let me know your address. Thanks. All right, so next we have some news out of Zoo Miami, where a 23-year-old critically endangered black rhinoceros named Eddie uh, was recently immobilized for a bunch of veterinary procedures, um, everything from, you know, normal checkup stuff to um, veterinary reproductive specialists collecting his sperm. And not just for the normal sperm collection reasons that we talk about on this podcast all the time, which frankly is not a sentence I thought I would be saying in my life even like four years ago, but 
whatever. Um, but it's really cool what they're trying to do. So it turns out that certain populations of rhinos in captivity have a really crazy imbalance in uh, the sexes of the animals. And so the semen that was collected uh, from Eddie um, was used in a research study to try to selectively sex sperm that would in turn allow artificial insemination to select the sex of resulting offspring with a good degree of certainty, um, which would help out with these long-term breeding programs and the fact that sometimes they get too many males or too many females or whatever. Uh, so that's really cool. And then the sperm is still being frozen because Eddie is a proven breeder. And down the line, they might need Eddie to breed some more, even when he is not able to actually breed. So they're keeping the sperm. Uh, so, yeah, I love, you know, the whole idea of cryogenic sperm banking. But I also love that they're doing this research to try to figure out how to better manage captive populations when they hit problems like that. Very cool all around. It's a celebration. Woohoo! It's a celebration. Celebrate good times. Come on! That's right, y'all. It is officially time for a celebration. We've got not one, not two, not three, not four, but five awesome stories from cool zoos that we love all about turtles. So let's get to it. Our good friends at the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance have some really cool turtle news. Uh, they've recently been working with the Turtle Survival Alliance to help host wetlands workshops, which educate local communities about the interconnectedness between the health of native wetlands and rivers and the well-being of local human populations. Uh, part of this uh, education and other steps program that they are doing um, includes taking the Indian narrow-headed soft-shell turtle, also known as the small-headed soft-shell turtle, which I'm sure absolutely does not give it a complex at all, uh, which can be found um, at the bottom of rivers and streams in India, Bangladesh, and Nepal, uh, to... The San Diego Zoo, where they have recently welcomed 41 of the turtle hatchlings, becoming the first accredited conservation organization in North America to hatch these incredibly endangered turtles. So congrats to everyone at the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. But of course... That's not all they're doing out there. So um, it turns out that um, an intense heat wave hit Southern California recently, putting at risk the lives of many desert tortoise hatchlings that were involved in an outdoor head starting program in the wild but in protected areas. So the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance swept in, was able to rescue the hatchlings and then take them down to the Living Desert facility uh, where they are going to be head started indoors for a while until the wave passes and then re-released into the wild. Again, that's just so awesome. Desert tortoises are so flippin' cool and cute uh, and important. Uh, that, that too, I guess that matters. Uh, but also, you know, 
This is just the kind of thing that I just keep saying, holy cow, you rarely hear about this kind of work. Uh, the, the San Diego team does a great job of getting the news out there. But, but, you know, this is the kind of things, the collaborations, the amazing work being done. These turtles were head started and then needed help. And then a zoo swept in and took them to another zoo that's head starting them, then going to re-release them. Yay! It all just makes me really, really happy. And uh, of course, that's not all that's been going on with crazy weather lately. I don't know if y'all heard about this, but there was a hurricane named Ian. Uh, on a side note, um, it seems like all of the Florida zoos and aquariums survived without losing a single animal, and everyone and everything is going to be just fine, which is incredible. But as a part of that, Brevard Zoo recently had more than 200 baby sea turtles brought to their sea turtle healing center uh, because of the hurricane, um, which just disrupted their home area um, and in some cases literally derailed their first ever trip to the ocean. So these turtles are now being head started um, at Brevard Zoo and then will be released back out into the wild as well. So lots of very very cool stories, especially in a year where sea turtles have actually uh, seen more nests uh, in Florida than in recent memory. So uh, just a really cool story that makes me really, really happy. Uh, the Bronx Zoo, as we continue our celebration, uh, recently sent 36 zoo-bred Rhode Island snake-necked turtles to Singapore. Now, that might sound slightly confusing because Singapore is not where Rhode Island is. That is in Indonesia. But this is actually part of a program um, between WCS, which runs the Bronx Zoo and, and other zoos in the New York area and has stuff all around the world, and um, a uh, an organization in Singapore that is eventually going to reintroduce the animals to their native range in Indonesia. The species is currently considered functionally extinct there, so this will be a true reintroduction, um, you know, spearheaded in part by Bronx Zoo. So I love that I not only have all of these really exciting turtle stories for you, but they are all positive. And here is one more. Roger Williams Park Zoo uh, has also partnered up with some local people to protect uh, turtles and other wildlife. And it just so turns out that the Rhode Island Environmental Police um, recently found 16 eastern musk turtle hatchlings uh, in, in the home of a person who was illegally advertising them for sale on Craigslist and Facebook. Yep, yet again, somebody selling animals on Facebook. Cool. Good good job, Zuck. But anyway, they were confiscated and they were taken into custody at Roger Williams Park Zoo, where the vet team is going to be doing everything they can to get them back to full health and then release them into the wild again. So many stories all about this awesomeness, and it just makes me the happiest. So what a great time to have a great celebration. But unfortunately... We must end those things. And so now we're going to take it in a, well, we're just going to take a hard right and uh, talk about some losses in the zoo community that are being particularly felt this week. So we start off by saying goodbye to Shali, one of the red pandas who lived at Roger Williams Park Zoo. And um, 
I am really sad to see this girl go. So she was recently diagnosed with heart failure, which is not uncommon for red pandas. And uh, she was definitely an older girl. Um, Nothing crazy, but, you know, definitely above wildlife expectancy. And um, unfortunately, she she passed away. And, you know, this one... This one is going to hit a lot of people hard. Shali met a lot of guests and uh, was beloved by staff. Um, also is one of those pandas that I have a sweet little story uh, about. Um, I was doing a show that teched in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, I was wildly unprepared because of circumstances. And uh, it was very overwhelming. And the whole thing was just not going how I wanted it to. And I was hating life. And so the one morning that we didn't start early... I decided to wake up early and Uber to the zoo and go there. And even though I only had like a half hour, I literally ran to the panda exhibit, which was empty. They were choosing to be inside. And I just really felt like I needed some panda time. And so being the goober that I am, I literally was like, hey, Shali, um, Rusty, if if you guys wanted to come out and, and say hi for just a minute, I could really use that. It would really mean a lot to me. And no joke. Within about five seconds of saying that, out they both came. And they came out and they looked up at me and they looked around and they went back in. And that was it. And I went back to my gig and everything was fine. And so, yeah, I just really appreciated her doing that. I'm anthropomorphizing to possibly an illegal level. But uh, hey, my podcast, my rules. But um, I'm going to miss that girl. So condolences to everyone at the zoo and who even went to the zoo and knew and loved her. Also, moving on from the world uh, this week is Nala, one of the lions at uh, Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo. Um, I actually literally just did a small little research project about the lions there and then spent some time observing Nala and the rest of the pride. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, just another example of uh, an animal who outlived its life expectancy and then started having um, age-related health issues that were no longer able to be managed medically. And uh, so at almost 19 years old, uh, she was uh, unfortunately needing to move on. So they humanely euthanized her. And uh, I'm grateful that they're able to do that. But uh, Nala is definitely going to be missed. Uh, It's going to be a little weird going to Cleveland and not seeing her uh, tomorrow. So yeah. And uh, man, we, we really lost some that I love this week. Uh, Mustard, one of the two remaining Tasmanian devils at the Columbus Zoo, has also passed on. Now, um, Mustard is one of those uh, those three the devils that originally came over from um, Australia. And uh, this is part of the whole idea of getting them out of that country because of devil facial tumor disease. And um, now there's only one left at Columbus, and that's just such a bummer. Mustard, uh, for those of you that went regularly, w- was the very cuddly one, would always cuddle up with um, with the other devils, and uh, just an absolute sweetheart and a goober, and uh, I'm going to miss Mustard. All three of those deaths hit pretty hard. Um so condolences to everyone at those zoos. And I got to tell you all, this is this is where it's hard being a fan of so many zoos and getting to travel to, to so many zoos. I know a lot of y'all think it's it's awesome that I get to do that. And uh, spoiler alert, you're right. But um, sometimes there are challenges and, and this is this is definitely one of them. 
And even though she's not gone yet, uh, the Franklin Park Zoo in Boston, Massachusetts, has announced that their tiger, Anala, is very sick and it's not anticipated that she will get better. Anala has a kidney condition that is chronic and irreversible. And even though they are definitely um, taking care of the uh, condition as best they can, at this point, it's really more of a, um, you know, doing what they can to make her comfortable until it is time to say goodbye kind of thing. So uh, I love, though, that the zoo is announcing this in advance and letting people know that uh, this is what's going on and the tiger is sick and you might not see her very much anymore. But also, if you want to take a chance to try and go and say goodbye to a beloved tiger, uh, now is the chance to do that. So I do think that is is very cool that they are announcing that. And I, I kind of wish that more zoos would do that. We've talked about that before. But, uh, you know, Franklin Park Zoo is a great zoo, and it's nice to know that even at the end of her life, Anala will be incredibly well taken care of. But enough of this sad stuff. Let's get to some really cool and interesting births, shall we? The Columbus Zoo recently announced that their koala, Katie, is carrying a new joey. Uh, people haven't seen it yet, but that's kind of how the whole marsupial birth thing works. But um, Katie's joey is in there and uh, currently eating her pap, also known as her stool, uh, to get the bacteria that they need into their gut so that they can eventually digest eucalyptus. So um, this is really exciting and it's doubly exciting because the father is Thor, who is the um, male koala that lived at the zoo, but unfortunately passed away from lymphoma on July 18th earlier this year. So this is really meaningful to the entire team at the zoo. Um, so yeah, this is this is good news and really exciting. And guess what, y'all? We still have another koala birth story to tell you. So way back in 17, uh, the Australia Zoo welcomed a koala named Snow. And the koala was named Snow because it was a white koala joey. Now, let me be clear here. I'm not saying that it was albino or anything like that. It was a normal, healthy koala that was born with white hair. Weird. And even weirder, as Snow got older and grew the natural koala coloration showed up. So um, you can no longer tell that snow was, well, snow white. However, what is interesting is that snow just had a joey that has started to come out of the pouch. And guess what? Snow's joey is pure white again. So this is really interesting. And I have a lot of questions about like, are they going to study the genes on this or what the heck is going on there? But uh, it's just really cool that this is the second time that the Australia Zoo has had a white koala joey and it is the uh, offspring of the first one. The Oklahoma City Zoo has announced the birth of four lion cubs. And that's really exciting. And I'm also just trying to give some more cool, good news uh, because of all the sad stuff before. But this is the first time in 15 years that the zoo has had lion cubs. So congrats to the Oklahoma City Zoo. And then last but not least in Zoo News this week, Smithsonian's National Zoo has announced that their uh, Front Royal Virginia campus, the one that is closed to the public, recently welcomed a litter of two cheetah cubs. 
And um, these cubs belong to Amani and Asante and uh, seem to be doing well. And you can actually go to at Smithsonian Zoo and follow the link in their bio to look at their cheetah cub cam where you can watch these cheetahs develop. It's really cool. So go take a a live look at uh, the cheetahs at the Smithsonian Zoo. Yay. Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring you to conservation news. All right, y'all. So last week I told you that some African penguins are experiencing uh, avian influenza. And uh, that's not great. Well, um, October 8th, which is coming up here uh, tomorrow, if you're listening the day this is released, um, is African Penguin Awareness Day. And my good friend Katie Prop of Penguins International has asked me to share with you uh, a way that you can help African penguins by helping an organization that we've talked about on here before known as SANCOB. Okay, so basically the situation is that SANCOB really needs some help, okay? So um, they tend to rear African penguin eggs and and head start them and all that good stuff that we, we talk about. Um, they also take care of rescued eggs and chicks. And um, they have just enough space to house four incubators that can hold 40 eggs each, which, in case you're bad at math, I got you, boo. That means that they can take care of about 160 eggs at a time. This year, Sankob has already received 417 African penguin eggs with more on the way. Again, in case you're bad at math, 417 plus is much bigger than 160. So there is a GoFundMe set up to help um, what they're calling their chick bolstering project and uh, i'm going to include a link to that in the show notes and if you can help go help and i'm sure i'll be sharing a lot about this on social media as we uh celebrate african penguin awareness day y'all sometimes climate change and just changing conditions lead to some weird things happening in the world uh but there's one that i'm pretty excited about so one of my dreams in this world would be to see red pandas and binturongs hanging out together and i know that's not particularly likely although my mom once found me a sweatshirt with a red panda and a binturong on it together and i don't understand why it exists but it makes me so happy and and she got that for me and that made me happy too anyway i'm telling you all of this to tell you that the first ever discovery of a binturong in western nepal has happened Um, so, uh, yeah, there was a drainage system in a home that got clogged and, um, what was clogging it? Well, some weird black animal. So, uh, the animal was rescued and taken to the proper authorities where, uh, they were able to figure out that it was a binturong in Western Nepal for the first time ever. So I don't know what the heck it was doing there, but it has been released back out into the wild and, um, Hopefully that's a good thing because hopefully that means that they're actually binturong in Western Nepal and not that it was like a pet that was just released into the wild. But uh, I'm I'm just going to stay positive and say, hey, you know what? It's a good thing. And most likely what this means is that binturongs and red pandas are going to become best friends in the real world, just like they already are in my mind. 
I, I, I have issues, y'all. Now for some dour news. Uh, as you know, it wouldn't be Ross Safari if we weren't talking about the uh, whole Red Wolf reintroduction program. Well, according to National Geographic, um, nine of the ten Red Wolves that were released from captivity earlier this year into North Carolina. We talked a lot about it on here. You know, some of them came from Akron, and uh, we've discussed that at great length with people from the Akron Zoo. Um Nine of those 10 are either dead or returned back to captivity. Uh, it's, it's not great. It's not great that there's apparently still one out there. So of the nine that are no longer in uh, the wild, uh, two died of suspected vehicle strikes and another from unknown causes, while um, three died from gunshot wounds. So, uh, yeah, even with uh, such a small population, uh, they're still being hunted, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, three of the others uh, that were released into the wild were returned to captivity because they were behaving in such a way that it was unlikely that they were going to survive in the wild. Um, you know, it's it's hard to raise an animal in captivity and then release it into the wild. And and these zoos and, and the program uh, do the best work that they can. But, but sometimes, uh, you know, it doesn't work out right. And so those wolves were uh, instantly taken back into captivity, which is still great. They're still there. The genetics are still there. That's stuff and they're better than being shot. Um, and the uh, the final wolf's whereabouts are currently unknown. Its GPS tracking collar is no longer functioning and it is feared to be dead. So even the one out of the 10 is not actually a great story right now. And I'm really sorry to share all of that with you because uh, I know a lot of you are passionate about this program. I am too. Um, this is heartbreaking. I, I feel like we spent so long this year talking about the various aspects of the story and how hopeful it is. And, uh, it just hasn't worked. The only good news that I have to give you from the story is that the program is still going full speed ahead. They're doing everything they can to, uh, make this the last year that, um, reintroduction goes so terribly. So, uh, yay to the future of red wolves in North Carolina, hopefully question mark, please, maybe yes, that. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right, so it is 2022, which is the year of the wildcat, and it is October, which is Bat Appreciation Month, Croctober, Squirrel Awareness Month, and Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. And then when we get to our individual days, I'd like to point out that if you're listening to this on the day that it's released, that is Friday, October 7th, uh, there are no animal days today. And I tell you that in part because then on the 8th, we celebrate African Penguin Awareness Day, like we mentioned already, World Migratory Bird Day, and World Octopus Day. Y'all, spread it out. But anyway, I really like penguins and migratory birds and, and octopodes, so that's cool that they all get the day. I just wish they all got their own day. But, you know, what can I do? I'm just a little podcaster. Uh, anyway, and then moving on from there, the uh, 9th to the 15th is World Rainforest Week and Earth Science Week. And on the 12th, we celebrate National Fossil Day. So that's pretty cool. 
Um, and then just a little bit of a look ahead, since it, it kind of lines up with our, our release dates a little bit here. Uh, starting on the 16th is both um, National Veterinary Technician Week and National Wolf Awareness Week. And that is a week that needs to do some serious heavy lifting this year. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, there we go. Another episode of Zoo News is done. I'd like to say thank you to Laura Shank, my Red Panda Level patron, uh, and also to the people who contributed stories for this week, which include Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Michael Sebastian, Ken Tryon, Laura Shank, Emily Rockbuck, and Kevin Williams. Kevin has actually started to take uh, all of the stories that he can find from the Northeast area and send them to me in like a little digest. And um, it is just a beautiful, wonderful thing. So thank you, Kevin. And thank you, everyone who contributed. So next week, I'm going to be on my honeymoon, but don't worry, you're still going to be getting a Zoo News episode. It's going to be fresh and awesome, but uh, it's going to have a slightly different bent to it than normal because I love y'all, but I'm not sitting in a hotel room recording a full episode of Zoo News on my honeymoon. But don't worry, you're going to get an awesome episode, and I'm really, really excited to share it with y'all, actually. So uh, look forward to that on Friday. And uh, before that, on Tuesday for the interview episode, I'm not going to give anything away other than to say that I'm pretty sure that it is the first time that both my guest and I cry on the podcast. So you can look forward to that. And finally, last but certainly not least, please remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards our Steider Yuswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.